The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer, serving as producer today, uh, is here as well. We are, I don't know, I hope you can tell the difference in audio because we actually, our real live podcast studio is finally ready. We are no longer in the ping pong room. We're no longer <laughs> uh, recording, surrounding a recording device. This is I'm talking into a real live microphone right now. Yeah, I feels, am thrilled. Feels good. It's good yeah. to be home. Yeah. So hopefully you can tell the difference in audio quality. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, I'm sure some of you will let us know. Yeah. Uh, uh, for sure. And so and we can adjust, but. Uh, Memphis football undefeated still coming off a big win over Navy really the probably the most impressive win of the season so far uh they are one of 18 teams that are still undefeated in the country it's the first time Evan you can fill me in here first time since 2015 first time since 2015 that they are undefeated through September uh they go to Louisiana Monroe this weekend uh, but let's first go back to the Navy game last Thursday night because it was an eventful game in that, I mean, Memphis trailed 20-7 to at one point. The, the first half looked dire. I mean, really, they should have been down by more um, with how, how dominant Navy was. Um, Brady White didn't look good. The defense was getting gashed a bit. And, uh, and then in the second half... Um, there was that one bad drive where Brady White threw pro- maybe the worst pass of his entire career. <laughs> it was um, bad. Yeah, where he he either could have he had the option of running for twenty yards or hitting a receiver wide open down the seam or hitting Demonte Coxey wide open on the sideline, and he instead just threw it out of bounds. I, and I, it was it was wild. I don't think I've ever seen that where you have like three good options and you choose option four, which is the worst option. Yeah, and uh and the crowd booed and booed pretty loudly. And I don't know if that flipped a switch or what, but Brady White then to me had the most impressive stretch of his career, leading three straight touchdown drives through an absolute dime to Antonio Gibson for a long touchdown. Stepped up in the pocket and hit Coxey for another touchdown to really seal the deal in a lot of ways. And Memphis comes out with a 35-23 win and uh, uh, debuts at number 23 in the coaches poll. And so um, it was... It just felt like a. It felt like the. I know the Ole Miss game because Ole Miss is the brand name was a big win, but this felt like a more important win, given how it occurred. Evan, what were your thoughts coming out of that game? How do you think this Navy game sets them up for the rest of the year? I'll go back to something you said. Where the last two, you said the last two years, the Navy game kind of was a barometer for how this team would go a little bit. Um, last year's game obviously showed that this defense was going to get tired in the second half. The offense was going to lean on Daryl Henderson. This game, I think, showed that this defense, one, is resilient, but two, the offense 
showed something we hadn't really seen. We showed some some heart from from Brady White, not just in his toughness, but also making plays. And that was the most impressive thing, I think. Like you said, Brady White literally just locked in, was hitting guys, showed pocket presence, and looked like a different quarterback. And I think that's something that Memphis fans haven't really seen from him in a big game where he wins a game on his arm. So I think that was maybe my biggest takeaway was that Brady White showed, okay, if they need me to make a play, I got guys who can make a play, I'll make the play. And I think that was the biggest takeaway besides the fact that defense held Navy to 81 rushing yards in the second half, which was really impressive considering how well they were running to the outside on them and just making them use the whole field. But I think those are two biggest takeaways that Brady White stepped up in a big game when Memphis needed them. And this Memphis defense, I know they played well against Ole Miss, but you hold Navy to 81 yards rushing in a half. That's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they really shut down. Now, I do think a factor in that was Malcolm Perry got hurt at the end of the first half, and I don't think he was ever really the same. But he got hurt because this Memphis defense is hitting people and 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 really kind of um, delivering damage, if you will. I mean, they're just more aggressive, and I think um, you can't discount that. But I don't think Malcolm Perry was the same player in the second half that he was in the first half. Yeah, and you, I think you also have to take into account – Navy was playing from behind. I mean, you you just mm-hmm. automatically you don't run as much, but it is still Navy. It is still well, and it was just like the, with the first half where Navy it, the momentum flipped, and and we shouldn't actually overlook the the kickoff return Gabriel for a Rogers. touchdown. Gabe Rogers, the first time he's ever touched the ball as a Memphis Tiger, not bad. It's going to be hard to outdo a ninety nine yard touchdown return, um, kickoff return, but the momentum flipped like Navy had the momentum in the first half. And I think you can't, uh, that's not something that's minor. And when a team, especially a team like Navy where that, that run, that triple option can demoralize you. And I think I'm not to say the defense was demoralized in the first half, but you could definitely feel that there was, they were just, you know, there was, it felt like an avalanche at times, a little, not an avalanche. Cause it's not like a bit, it's like almost, it was almost like a, What's a slow-moving large object? Um, like um, continental drift. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a tectonic plate. Yeah. Like it was just gonna, you know, like there was it was the earthquake was inevitable. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they really turned it on in the second half and played played a great, uh, great second half. And it was I was just the whole second half for Memphis was as impressive as they've looked. Like they've had halves in the past where the offense has just been lighting teams up. But I'm I can't really recall too many halves where both the offense and the defense looked as good as they did against Navy in the second half. Yeah, like last year I can't think of one. Like even Houston, for example, the fourth quarter it looked good, but they didn't look this good where they just shut down a team in this fashion. Well and so let's focus on Brady White because he's become He's so polarizing. Like Gary Parish made the point on the radio. Like out of every, it, what's funny is he might be the most polarizing sports figure in the city of Memphis right now. Like when you look around the landscape, you know, even though the Grizzlies aren't going to be very good, everyone's kind of on board with the rebuild. With the rebuild, and they love Jaron Jackson and John Morant. Memphis basketball, like. There's really nothing you can quibble about with Penny Hardaway and the number one recruiting class, he's put it. And 
Mike Norvell. Everyone loves Mike Norvell. Like he's done a fantastic job. But it feels like Brady White is like kind of that one guy on the sports landscape for better or worse, like everyone's got an opinion about him. Like some people feel like he needs to be defended. Some people are like, this guy stinks. And, and, you know, and it's, you know, I'd say I'd probably lean more towards the people defending him. I don't, you know, I'm not saying he needs to be defended, but I don't think he stinks. And I think he showed that against Navy. Like he, that that was really impressive what he did kind of responding to the booze and just kind of, delivering a knockout blow with his arm it's the first i mean what was remarkable out it was the first time since he's been here where he went and won a game with his arm i think that's what everyone's been asking to see from him like go win us a game with your arm you don't have to do it every game but in some big moments we you know if this memphis team is going to win the aac and make a new year's six bowl which is really all that's left for this program to accomplish they're going to need Brady. They're going to need a couple more performances like what we saw in the second half against Navy. So it was a really good sign to see him do that once. Um, now we know he can go do it. Yeah, it was the first time that he didn't just turn around and hand the ball off and let Daryl Henderson or Tony Pollard or Patrick Taylor get them back into a game or create some distance from the opponent it was the first time he didn't rely completely on bubble screens to uh to 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 do his you know yards after the catch and that sort of thing to do the damage i mean he went out there and he was the guy who took center stage and it was the first time that he had done that for a long for a decent stretch of time yeah and i want to go back to that the gibson play i thought was really good because if I'm not mistaken, it was a third down play. Where third and long, 13. Third and long, threw it over the defense in stride to Gibson. And, I mean, that was as big a throw as he had made because that gave Memphis, that put Memphis ahead. And not put Memphis ahead, but they stayed ahead after that one. I think that was the – yeah, they went, they went ahead. 21-20. Right. Uh, or no, no I think that was 28-20. Oh, yeah, you're right. The, the first drive, the first scoring drive. Um, no, and, and that play stands out for this reason to me. Like – Memphis's skill position players, for the most part, are going to be better than the team, the defenders they're facing. Like their skill, they had way more talent than Navy, especially in the back end. Like Navy's secondary was not very good. And what they needed was a quarterback to deliver those throws. Like you, you take the two throw, that throw, and then the throw we were talking about earlier, the, the worst throw ever. On both plays, guys were wide open. You know, because of the scheme and because of the talent at the skill positions. All they needed was someone to deliver the ball. And in one play, he didn't. And in that other play, he delivered a perfect uh, deep ball over the top of the defense. And so that's what they need out of Brady. I mean, like, you know, you look at these games like against Monroe, this Louisiana Monroe, you know, they're going to, I mean, that's one of the worst defenses in the country. Um I mean, they're they're a couple weeks removed from giving up 714 yards to Iowa State, and um, you know, Let and just, and when they play Tulsa and and Temple, and you know, like the thing they're always going to have an advantage on their opponent. I I'm confident of is like their skill position guys are going to be better for the most part than the defenses they're playing. It's about getting those skill position guys in the right spots and hitting them in the right spots. Here's just one last thing about Brady White that I want to point out that 
worst throw ever, I believe is how you yeah. phrased it. Um, that the, I think the difference, he's always going to have a couple of clunkers mm-hmm. in his bag of tricks, I think, every game. I think we've, by now, we we can almost count on that. I mean, who knows? Maybe the second half that he had against Navy propels him, gives him a lot more confidence, et cetera, et cetera, and we see a different Brady White from here on out. But if we don't, and and he and he always has one or two throws like that, um, you know, on a weekly basis, the biggest difference uh, between that throw and the other bad throws that he's made throughout his career is that one didn't end up in the arms of a defender. I mean. You know, it, it it feels like he he was able to. I think the most troubling part of that throw was the indecision. Like he yeah. didn't know yeah. what he wanted to do. But at least it wasn't intercepted. Like when he's yeah. made bad throws in the past, they're intercepted more often than not. Well, I actually think that's one of like uh, of all the like he's a flaw in 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 the respect that he's a flawed quarterback. I think he actually, for the most part has protected the ball decently well throughout his career. He hasn't like it feels like he's he doesn't take a lot of chances, but he also hasn't I think and it's part of the reason I think Mike Norvell has been so comfortable with him is that at the line of scrimmage he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and and throwing in in terms of turnovers he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Now again in that first half, the other I think bad play of his was the fumble um oh, yeah. where he you could he saw the blitzer coming and didn't it was like one of the few times where it appeared like he made a terrible pre-snap read cuz like you see the blitzer coming and you got to if you see that you got to either audible or just get rid of the ball and he did neither but and did, it was, again it was the indecision yeah. it felt like he wasn't yeah. you know he said after the game I need to trust what I'm seeing um and so now was it not pointed out that the long Kenneth Gainwell touchdown he audibled out of a play right yeah he, that was a pre-snap yeah. read he made yeah so mm-hmm. so that's the frustrating thing about brady white that's why he's so polarizing is because he can make throws like he made to antonio gibson he can make throws like he did to demonte coxie but then he holds well, i don't know the, if we, that's the thing though i don't know if we'd seen him make throws like that before the pre-snap read the part of the reason why it's so i think so hard for people maybe to embrace him is that he did that all last year too, according to Mike Norvell. But like when you're watching a game, I don't think the you know even me or but the run of the mill fan is not going to notice until right. Mike Norvell tells you yeah. that yeah. he's done it, that he he audibled out of a play yeah. to get to to break off a long run. Like Mike said that all last year. Like a lot of those big Daryl Henderson runs were Brady White making the right read at the line of scrimmage yep. pre snap, and it's why. You know, even as people call, have even during that Navy game, I mean, after that throw, you looked on social media. I mean, like everyone, you know, people are calling for Mike to put in a new quarterback. Yep. And I am confident and comfortable in saying, I don't think Mike Morvell has ever, ever even come close to removing Brady White from a game. I would, I would say I, you're probably right. But if he, I would say that if he had, you think if he hadn't done well on that next drive, the next no, drive no, was no. the next drive. He it was he didn't make any great throws. It was more like dinking and dunking yep. down the field, and they scored a touchdown. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, uh, I feel like that was probably the closest he's ever come. If he's ever, mm-hmm. you know, if it's ever wavered one direction or the other, it's got to have been after that when the you know the booze started raining down, and and it was a just a bad bad um, look. I mean, 
and again, I, I still don't think he was even close to making a, a change. But And we should point this out, too. If if there was going to be a change made, I mean, we would have heard some indication from Mike at some point that he at least was wavering. I know he has confidence in Brady. Oh, I don't know if he'd reveal that. Maybe not. Maybe not but I, mean, I don't know if he'd reveal that. Okay, maybe not. But I'm just saying, like, he has unwavering confidence in Brady to a point where I think we noted last year it was like, you know. Publicly. 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 Yeah. I would say. Publicly. Like, honestly, even for people who want Connor Adair in there. Connor Adair has not played that much. So you throw him in there in a game where they needed to to come back and win that game, I mean, that would have been a panic move, and that might have cost them the game if they had done that, if we look at that, look at that decision. Yeah, well, I think the, the it would have been a panic move, but if he if he continued to look like he did when he threw that pass, they weren't going to win the game anyways. Right. And But the the fact of the matter is, and, and I think it, like it took, that takes a lot of mental fortitude to turn it around like that. Um, and it, it it was really encouraging. I would for say, sure. really encouraging. Not just the throws, but the way he just the response. Like it showed some. It showed some, for lack of a better word, some balls. Mm-hmm. Like to to really you know to really, you know, basically take the take those boos and not pout. Not like take it and take it in the wrong way, but take it in a way where like I'm going to prove these people wrong. Yeah, and yeah. he really did. Yeah, uh, big credit to him. That, that, was huge i mean you know but again uh i think that's what's so frustrating about brady white or can be frustrating is he he has those throws like he made when he threw it out of bounds but then he can come back and do something like he did to antonio gibson it's like you know it remains to be seen you know maybe he's turned a corner um because of what he did in the second well, half against Navy, but well, he's got—I mean—he's got a chance here to string together two great games in a row. Because this—I mean—you look at this Louisiana Monroe defense, although it, it is a little skewed. Like they—they are right now one in total defense. They are um one twenty third. Yeah, one hundred twenty third, one hundred twenty three in the country. They're basically giving up—they're giving up four hundred ninety nine point eight yards a game, basically five hundred yards a game. So it's but, like only five teams worse than them. Yeah, yeah, but it is a little skewed because they gave up um, forty six. They gave up. They, I mean, they gave up uh, seven hundred fourteen yards to Iowa State and five hundred one yards to Florida State. Which a lot, um, some of those got to think came in uh, to the two overtimes yeah. that they played. That that, that yes. adds to the skew there. Yes. Now, basically, like last, they played South Alabama last week and won thirty to seventeen. Um, and actually it looks like their defense had their best game of the year, only gave up 377 yards, 4.83 yards per play. Like against Iowa State, they gave up 10.7 yards per play. For a whole game? For a whole game. Yeah. That's like Oklahoma numbers. Um, and, and, and as you know, I mean, in Florida State, they very easily could have won that game mm-hmm. at Florida State. They they missed the extra point that would have tied it. Um, yep. And so... Um, and they they beat they beat Grambling to start the year. So I I mean this is obviously going to be a tougher game than the South Alabama game in that they beat South Alabama thirty to seventeen. Yeah. But it's a game Memphis should win. I mean if they play like they did in the second half against Navy, they shouldn't have any trouble. Um, that's I mean, the question: Can they replicate going into that Temple Road game the week after? Like to me, you want to you want to try to put together a full game like you did in that second half against Navy against yeah, Monroe, and, and you kind of hinted this, but I think this 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 month will be cru- crucial for Brady because we know that Brady is not a great quarterback on the road compared to how he is at home, and Memphis mm-hmm. has three games mm-hmm. on the road this month, so yeah. this is going to be key for him to see how well he can play. Um, and looking ahead of Temple, which is going to be tough, obviously Temple's ranked nineteen. Not to look ahead, but 
that's why I think this game is going to be important to show if he can put it together so that when we get to Temple, we'll see. I mean, this next month is going to determine a whole heck of a lot about where what this season is going to look like. Like, we could come out of this month and they could be, frankly, 8-0. Like, there's a, chance, there's a very real opportunity for that. We could also come out of this month and they could be, you know, five and three or six and two. Um, you know, so this is going to determine a lot about the trajectory and the excite. really the, I mean, people are starting to get excited, I think, but it, they're going to, if they, it's, it's that temple game, the Tulane game, the, the SMU game. I mean, luckily they have the two, they get Tulane and SMU at home. Um, and those two look like the two top contenders in the West right now. But, um, It'll be uh, it'll be fascinating. Any injury updates from Mike yesterday? We do have some. Conference? We do have some. So obviously, first we'll start with Patrick Taylor and Chris Claybrooks. Um, we have not. They have not yet been ruled out for this weekend. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a. So let's just call it educated speculation. <laughs> Patrick Taylor will not play against Louisiana. Monroe. I think it's pretty fair to say that. Same with Claybrooks. Um, but also two more Tigers are done for the year. Sean Dykes, starting tight end. Um, is out for the year with a knee injury, Mike said yesterday. Um, he had tried to play. He heard it in the preseason camp. Um, tried to go these four games during the uh, Navy game. They said that just didn't look good, so they made a decision over the weekend to sit him down for the year. He does have a redshirt year, which is good for him. And also freshman Cole Mashburn is out for the year. Uh, Cole Mashburn was someone who Mike was really high on before the season. Um, said he was probably not going to redshirt him because he really liked what he brought on the defensive front, just adding more depth. But uh, he also is done for the year as well. So now three Tigers are now done for the year with also Pop Williams out for the year. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Dykes was Dykes is a guy who really, I mean, was it two years ago where he was he was pretty good at the end of the year? He had that Houston catch that won the game. He yeah. had the, the big game of the AC he championship. He really was emerging as a, great, as a really nice receiving threat and just feels like he hasn't been able to build on that momentum and they're just not using it's funny there that year early in the year magnifico was fantastic and late in the year dykes was fantastic as a pass catcher and it doesn't feel like they've been able to replicate that magic with brady white as the quarterback with the tight end it's kind of interesting it's been weird like magnifico has those two long catches this year but really you haven't seen him used as much as i thought he would be he's more like that sixth or seventh o-lineman with their with their blocking so well but um I think the key now is you have two young tight ends who are going to have to step up. Cameron Wilson, who is six seven, it could be a good goal line target, but you know he's still very raw and young. And Tyce Daniel as well as a sophomore who's going to have to come in and help out with some of those reps. So it would be interesting how they fill Dykes' role up front. Yeah, and then uh, just looking at this ULM team, looks like they have a pretty good rushing attack. Um, gained two hundred ten rushing yards against Iowa State. Um, and they've averaged over seven yards per play in two of their four games and over five yards per play in all their games. So um, I actually think I, – I said when the season started this was going to be a tricky game because this was a 6-6 six and six team last year that returns a decent amount of guys from that 6-6 six and six team. Again, Memphis should win the game, but it is a tricky road game. It is a road game I would not have scheduled. Um, I'll put it that way, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that they're going to have several over the next few years, several road games that I would not have scheduled on their schedule. So, um, I guess that's just the way it is. 
now. Yeah. The only way you can get home and homes is against what? What is Monroe in the Sun Belt? Yes, yes. another Sun Belt team. Yeah, Fun Belt action. Yeah. Um. So, will be fascinating. Evan, you'll be down there, right? I will be down there. Have you been to Monroe before? I may have driven through it once when I was driving to Atlanta on a road trip, but I have never stayed there. Okay. And have you been to Monroe, Jason? We've been over this. <laughs> I was born there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pride yeah. of Monroe. So so what what can Memphis fans expect? Any Memphis fans making the trip to Monroe, what can they expect? Oh, man. So many good things. So much. Wow, this is a native, and he's in... <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm I not thought you were to, born in Natchez, Mississippi. I, I was raised in Natchez. That's what okay. I consider my hometown. I was okay. only in Monroe for a year or two after I was uh, born. Okay. Uh-huh. But uh, so you, I mean, that's you. where Duck Dynasty is. Uh, oh, really? Out of yes, wow. West oh, West Monroe, Louisiana. Duck Dynasty. Oh, so. Duck Dynasty. I just meant Dallas Dynasty. I was like, Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> no, Duck Dynasty. So that I mean, there, there's that. There's that. Is there any like landmarks from Duck Dynasty that like kind of like how Bluff City Law has been filming here in Memphis? Duck Dynasty. Any Duck Dynasty landmarks? Good question. I may have seen is one there, episode. What is the pizza place you like? Johnny's. John, is Johnny's there Johnny's pizza. in oh, yeah, Monroe? There's, there's multiple Johnny's. It's where it originated. Oh, okay. wow. That's where it was founded. Wow. Yes. Okay. I got food recommendations now. Johnny's okay. Pizza. Okay. You must. It's a must. All right. Johnny's Pizza. Get right. Sweep the kitchen. That's their version of like their supreme. It's like they... Sweep the, the kitchen, kitchen at the sink. The, yeah, they the sweep kitchen. the kitchen at the end of the so Are night. you telling me they serve trash? They serve <laughs> garbage on their pizza? <laughs> it's called the sweep the kitchen. That's okay. all I got. You just throw everything Aren't they called there. like the kitchen sink? It's like everything but the kitchen sink. That's the phrase. Yeah, I don't know. It's Johnny was a different guy, I guess. Is it? Is there? Is it? There was. You, yeah? yeah. What's his last name? Um... I should know that, but I don't. Um, he's, I don't think he's with us anymore. But uh. All right. Well, if you're going down there, Jason swears by this Johnny's Pizza place. I've never been there, but he talks about it a lot. Oh, so, it's the best. Yeah, you should go. Um, Evan will be down there. I don't know if he's going to get Johnny's Pizza or not, but uh, he will be covering the game. He'll have lots of coverage on commercialappeal.com throughout the week leading into the game as well as after the game. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, it should be a should be a fun one. Let's see if if Memphis can keep this undefeated run going. Uh, Till next week, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thank you so much, and uh, I guess go eat some Johnny's Pizza down in Monroe, Louisiana. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with talking fast. 50, we're going to fit Pop stars with auto tune. And dentists with asking questions. How did he propose? After they've put their hands in your mouth. Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much, we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal. At Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs.